worried about getting everything done, and now it's I'm ten times more worried because there's stuff that has to get done, or I'm I'm worried about money, but now I'm ten times more <laughs> worried about money because I've got you know I got to buy gifts and I got to do this and I got to do that, and you know that 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 it's so easy to lose sight of the fact that Christmas happened. You know, Jesus Christ came to change everything. Like he sets the scales right in the world. He he takes God from being this this loving God who's far away because of our sin and our rebellion and he steps into our presence and he paves the way for us to be intimate and close with him again. And that's what we talked about last week. Um, I'm going to blow out these candles or they, and get wax on the floor. Thank you. Um, what? Oh, my God. This little light on my... <laughs> All right. <laughs> now that we've had that diversion, um, I, uh, I, I am a regular reader of, of uh, news and social media. Anybody else do that? Like where you, you, I'm, I'm constantly sort of watching the news, or I, I love Twitter. I've loved Twitter forever because you can read where um, folks who are physically present as stuff is happening. You can read what they're seeing or what their experience was. And, and one of the things I've been watching... Um, in the last three weeks, you know, as we've had around the country a lot of turmoil. I don't know if anybody noticed. Um, and, and rioting and protests and, and, you know, tragedy and all of this stuff that's going on. The, the word that I keep seeing, and it, it's sort of, um, I, I think it's valuable to talk about. The word I keep seeing is justice. Anybody heard that one too many times in the last? Um, and, and justice is a, is a funny concept. Because we lose sight sometimes of the fact that that justice is um, is the leveling of the scales, right? Justice isn't revenge. Justice isn't um, um, anything beyond that. Justice is is a leveling of the scales. And and oftentimes we'll look and we'll say, well, you know, that's not fair. And so we need justice. Man, I anybody? All right. So every parent in the room just heard that's not fair and cringed a little bit. <laughs> isn't it true? Because that's not fair is is kind of uh what's what's the what's the right response when your kid says that's not fair? Life is not fair. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? <laughs> and and the reason life isn't fair is because we do not live in a just world, right? We don't live in a just world. There are people who do horrible things and get away with them. There are people who steal, there are people who lie, there are people who who are wicked outright, who hurt the innocent, who take advantage of the poor, who do things that are wrong. And, and it doesn't level out because our world is broken. It is. It's broken. That's why, we, that's why we see these things, these riots and these people angry and everything else. Like We're seeing this because the world is broken, because it's fallen, because at one point in time God created this place to be perfect, and here we are on the other side, right, where our sin and our wickedness it's all of us, right? I can point to people and say it's their fault or it's their fault or it's their fault or it's their fault. I'm pretty sure it's Trenton's fault. I'm not sure how, but I know it is. Um, <laughs> we can point to these people and say, oh, it's the world's broken because of this. And in reality, like, we're all a part of it, right? And justice does not rain from the skies every day because it's broken. Um, what a depressing start for Christmas, right? Um but there's good news on Christmas. Christmas changes that. It's where God's justice and God's mercy 
finally find balance. They finally, like the scales are set right. And, and God steps into this world and, and the things that are wrong, um, there's a leveling. And we're going to look at these concepts. First, we're going to look at justice because justice is a hard concept. Um, first off, justice is a major attribute of God. He is a just God, right? What does that mean? That means that, um, it means a few things, like, but we're going to look at a couple of passages about it. Um, Psalm 7, 9 to 11 says, Oh, let the evil of the wicked come to an end, but establish the righteous. For the righteous God tries the hearts and minds. My shield is with God who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and God and a God who has indignation every day. What's the psalmist saying? He's saying, first off, there are wicked people in the world. We know them. We see them. They might live next to us or might sleep in the bed next to us. Please don't point at them if you know them, um, especially if it's me. Um, but they're, they're around us. And God looks at that, that injustice. And, and if you read, especially the Old Testament, like as much as folks are critical of you know, you'll see where, where folks who don't believe in God will read the Old Testament and they're like, man, God in the Old Testament's pretty angry and mean and he's like this awful tyrant. And, and God's anger is almost universally directed at folks, first off, who rebel against him. And secondly, folks who, who you know, act wrong towards others. Like God, God is a defender of the widow, right? And the orphan. Like, like he, is, he is a God who, who wants the helpless protected. And that is who he is. And, and God sees wickedness. And, and God, first off, he doesn't, he doesn't abide by it, right? Like there are things that we abide by in my house and things we don't abide by. Like I, there are toys on the floor. That's a fact of life, right? But you walk into the bathroom, if that seat is up, uh-uh. <laughs> we don't abide by that in my house. <laughs> and by we, I mean... She, um, the, 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 even house guests get that lecture, right, Michael? I, <laughs> we don't abide by it. We don't put up with that. And so when it's wrong, we fix it. And then we explain to everyone why it's not okay. Right. But it doesn't end there. Like I, there are other things that we don't abide by in my house. There are other things that we don't abide by. You know, and God doesn't abide by sin. He allows it to exist for a period of time, but ultimately sin cannot enter God's presence, right? God is like this consuming fire of holiness. Like he is so pure and good that when impure things enter his presence, they're swallowed. They, they cannot exist with him. And, and we see like different things here. Actually, it's not one of my passages, but I'm going to touch on it. There's a, there's a spot where Jesus is walking in a crowd and, and he's approached by a woman who's unclean, right? She's ceremonially unclean and he doesn't see her coming, but he walks up and he touches her or she touches him, right? And when she touches him, what happens? She's, cured she's made clean because god's holiness will either consume or it'll make clean but god cannot cannot abide by sin right cannot put up with it cannot be in its presence he either cleans it or he or he wipes it out um it either becomes right or it becomes no more and so ultimately god is a god of justice and that is a good thing but i'm here to tell you it's also kind of a terrifying thing everybody with me (laughs) Because if the scales are ever made right, I got a pile of stuff in my background, right? 
I got a, I got a closet full of skeletons that God sees right through. Anybody else in the same boat as me? Um, and as we talk about justice, the reality is that God being a just God is wonderful because God protects us and God watches out for us and God takes care of us. But simultaneously, there's some terror to go with that because I, I don't know about y'all. I don't want to pay for my sins, right? Um, another uh, passage kind of illustrating this idea. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery in the burnt offerings. I will faithfully give to them their recompense and make an everlasting covenant with them. So what he's talking about here, he says, listen, um, he's talking about some of the injustice and brokenness that exists within the, within the worship system. And God's saying, look, you know, I, I don't want this. And if you guys worship me from a place where, like, folks were worshiping God from a place where they were doing it wrong. They were doing it wicked. They were stealing in order to worship. Or they were treating people unjustly in order to worship. And, and God says, listen, I don't want that. I don't want it. I'm not okay with it. God is a God who loves justice. He, he loves for things to be right. He created the world to be right. And he hates when it's broken. Um, I use the word hate intentionally. It's a strong word, isn't it? Um, but God literally hates the brokenness in our world. Um, we're going to go on. Another thing that God, being a God of justice, he wants us to deal with each other justly. Um, Isaiah 1, wash yourself, make yourself clean, remove the evil from your deeds and from my sight. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. This is one of those things over and over again, right? God is the hero and the champion of the weak and the poor and those who are taken advantage of. And God... God wants them defended. And so as his people, we see it in the Old Testament quite a bit, but it continues into the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we see where God commanded. He had laws about everything to protect the, you know, to protect the poor and the helpless. It was a huge chunk of the Old Testament law. Like if you were, if you were out doing your fields, right, in your combine, they had combines back then. Some of the first century combines are actually sitting in farm yards around town. Um, but the, the, if you cut a corner and you miss some, you left it. It was a law that you left it. Because then the poor could come and they could eat it. And you would take, you know, they would be fed. And God provided ways for, for people to be taken care of. Um, and, and, you know, he, like, like, it's a part of how God operates is that he is, not only is he just, not only is he holy, but he commands us to be the same, right? So when I deal with other folks, I got to deal with other folks justly. When I see people who are in need, I'm supposed to take care of them, right? Um, when I see folks who are, are in sin, I'm supposed to call them out of it. When I see somebody oppressing, you know, or taking advantage of folks or being wrong, I'm not supposed to stand silent, right? Um, now, I'm going to throw out a caveat, a caveat there. Um, we live in a sinful world, right? And oftentimes we look at folks and we say, well, you should act differently. Ultimately, if you convince a man to act without sinning, you've created a man who's still a sinner who acts without sinning, right? Our objective isn't to make people behave. It's to make people, like, help people to know Jesus. And knowing Jesus is actually what makes us pure and holy and clean and makes things right. I just want to throw that out there. Um, 
God calls on his people to deal with each other justly. We got Micah 6.8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. What does God want out of us? He wants us to be kind. He wants us to be just and he wants us to walk with him. That's it, right? Um, But justice is a part of that. Um, We're going to have a look at kind of the other end of that. God's justice against sin is absolute. Uh, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. From the day you eat of it you will surely die. The picture is the Garden of Eden, right? God is in the garden with Adam and Eve. He says, look, enjoy the place. Don't eat off that tree. What happens if you eat off the tree? You die, right? Now, watch this. Um, When Adam and Eve ate off the tree, did they die? Not immediately, but they did die. Death was never intended to exist in this world, right? We were never intended to die. We were designed to last forever. We're like Toyotas. Um, Instead... We live in a broken world that's as a result of sin, right? And that death sentence extends on all of us, and so we run a little more like Dodges. <laughs> Somebody warned me to lighten up on that. I was going to get in trouble if I kept doing it. <laughs> um, God's justice against sin is absolute, for I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Meaning, like, um, I threw that passage in the wrong spot. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it should have been uh, Romans 6.23, do I have? Yes. Uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death, right? First command, don't eat off the tree or you will die. So when we have sin, sin results in two kinds of death, right? Your physical death, everybody physically dies because the world is sinful. It's not like, oh, you committed a sin, so God kills you, though... You know, I guess that does sort of happen sometimes in the immediate, right? Sin results in in death. Like, people die eventually. We don't live forever because of it. And there ain't no way around it. We're all infected by it. We're infected by it from before we're born. Um, The other end of that is spiritual death, right? uh, One of the best parts of living in Big Sandy is um, being here has been better for my marriage than almost anything else, right? Or not almost anything else. That's an overstatement. It's been great for our marriage, right, honey? We spend more time together. We talk more. It's been people support us in our marriage. It's been good. If I suddenly stopped coming home and didn't talk to my wife anymore, our relationship would die, right? Spiritual death is similar. It's our relationship with God ceases to exist, right? Because that sin creates distance. And so it's the other way that death happens. And, and God judges it. God, you know, is not okay with it. Um, and, and ultimately, we all face judgment for it. And like we, we see in Hebrews, um, gives us a, a sample here. And according to the law, one may almost say, all things are cleansed with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Um, throughout the scriptures, we see where God does not just turn away from sin, right? Like, like when folks in the Old Testament would sin, there was a requirement that they sacrificed to be forgiven. And so, like, if I killed the neighbor... Um, there wasn't a whole lot to be done. I was actually in a lot of trouble. <laughs> but like the, the general idea was you would, you would sacrifice and the animal would take punishment for your sin, right? Like, and that would be the, the mechanical system of justice. Like justice had to be done and it was done with the shedding of blood. And God was gracious to his people and said, look, instead of me killing you directly, you can put your guilt on this animal. 
and the animal will take punishment, right? And, and that is, you know, this component of God's justice. Did it actually remove sin? Well, no. It was pointing forward to Jesus, right? But God's justice is absolute and, like, required payment, right? Required a paying out. You didn't just do it. It cost you. God's mercy. So we have justice over here. Justice is, is wonderful and terrible at the same time. But at, at the same time, we also worship a God who is merciful. Um, we see mercy early on when God, like Adam and Eve, eat of the tree, and they don't physically die. And actually, the very next thing he does is, and the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve, or for Adam and his wife, and clothed them. So what God does is he gathers up some animals, he sheds their blood, and he covers them with it. Right? And so there's a shedding of blood, like as a part of God's forgiveness, and he covers them up. He provides for them, because God is merciful. God looks at sin, and he knows. He loves us. He, he created us. He adores us. He, he, he calls us back to himself. He's willing to sacrifice, like, his own son to get us. Um, but, you know, and, that, and that's an act of mercy. Um, God desires mercy from and for his people. For I delight in loyalty. See, there's that passage that was supposed to be in. It's actually Matthew, not Micah. Anyway, for I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice and the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. As much as, like, God commanded these sacrifices and burnt offerings, it's not really what he wanted, Right? It was pointing forward to something else, but at the very bottom of it, God wanted us to return to him, right? Um, the big problem, of course, being that mercy and justice, they're kind of on opposite extremes, aren't they? And it's awful because, like, God's justice has to be satisfied, but God is continually merciful. And so there's this tension that we see in the scriptures until... Christmas, when God brings it all together, like in the life of Christ. Um, justice and mercy literally meet at Christmas. My little children, this is 1 John 2, 1 to 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate in the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is a propitiation. That's a tough word. Say it with me. Propitiation. Um, for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole, those of the whole world. Um, now watch this. Propitiation, propitiation means that Jesus steps into the place of our judgment. And he receives God's judgment in our place. And it's like um, permanent records. Anybody have a permanent record from school that you're a little not proud of? Like my whole school career is that permanent record. And... Um, it's a little like he takes an eraser and erases our name off the top of the permanent record and writes Jesus. And he takes Jesus' name and he writes Eric's junk, you know, Eric's sin, Eric's wickedness, or, or Brooke's wickedness, or James's wickedness, or, or um, Craig's wickedness, or, or whatever. And like all of that stuff in, his, in our permanent record becomes his. And when God faces Jesus at Calvary, he becomes this propitiation. He stands in our place, and God pours out all this justice on him, all this wrath, all of this anger, all of this intolerance of sin goes on Christ. And he takes that punishment in full. We, in turn, get mercy. We get forgiveness. Um, Christmas is the beginning of that. It's the beginning of God setting the scales right because 
because he's absolutely just. But he's enormously merciful. And so in Christ, like in the coming of Christ is the beginning of this. It's when justice and mercy come together. It's when God begins to overcome his own justice, which is central to who he is. He begins to meet the demand of that justice um, with Jesus out of mercy for us. Um, through Jesus, the other thing that happens is that God will begin to bring justice and mercy like to the world. Um, one of the things we see in the Old Testament um, is where Israel was always intended to be like a light to the world. They're always intended to set the world right and be an example, and they always just sort of screwed it up. <laughs> and they were supposed to go out and tell people about, Je- you know, about Jehovah, about the Father, and they didn't do it. And so there's a whole lot of them not doing their job. In Christ, this is actually predicted by Isaiah, um, there will be no end to the increase of his government or, his, or of peace on the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with ju- uh, justice and righteousness from then on forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this, meaning that the justice that comes into the world like Christ is over it, and it will be perfected in eternity. But right now the justice that exists, like the justice that God brings about, um, Christ is over it. How does he bring it about? Through us, right? The example I would point to, there was a man, uh, an English uh, politician, politician, um, William Wigglesworth, right? What a great name. Um, who led the reform movement to abolish slavery in the English Empire. Um, and he spent his life fighting against slavery and, and basically wiped it out. If you look at the roles of history in the West, like not necessarily just in the West, but where Christianity has reigned, slavery is, has ultimately withered and died and gone away. Um, even in the United States, like, Sometimes you hear about, oh, all these preachers who preached about slavery being biblical. There, there were a few, but the majority of the anti-slavery movement in the United States was led by Christians. It was led by, like, Baptists, a lot of them, and it was still good even though... <laughs> oh, there it is. My wife raised Baptist, so I'm picking on her. Um, there are others, there are other ways that mercy, and, or excuse me, that God's justice is brought about, his protection for the helpless. Um, there's a 90 year old pastor in Florida. Any of y'all seen this news story? 90 year old pastor feeding homeless people in Florida, um, was arrested because it was a violation of a, of a law. It was against the law. Like they did not want, um, homeless people. Like they said, well, if we don't feed them, they'll move away. There's probably some truth to that. And this man, despite the law, went out and did it. And they arrested this 90 year old pastor. Right? And this week he actually won in court. Um, and, and they said, well, no, it, it can't be illegal to feed the homeless. It can't be illegal to take care of the poor. And through this believer, through this Christian, justice is brought about. Ultimately, like we are in that spot. If we belong to Jesus, if we're forgiven um, through God's mercy and through the blood of Christ on the cross, um, we're here to bring justice and mercy to the world. Right to protect the the innocent and sometimes even to forgive the guilty, to hold on to folks and care about them. And honestly, even when folks wrong us, anybody have anybody that's wronged you hugely in the recent past? Even when folks wrong us, even when folks wrong us, we forgive them because God forgave me. Right? We bring his mercy into the world by being merciful to folks who don't deserve it. I don't deserve God's mercy. Anybody here think you do? 
And so if God is willing to be merciful to me, I share that love. And Jesus sits over all of it as the head of it, right? We take care of each other. We take care of the world. We do what God commands us to do. We are literally the hands of hands and feet and face of Jesus. Is that fun? Sometimes it's not. Ultimately, at the base of it, is the enormous blessing of knowing how hard it was for God to offer it to us, right? Forgiving people is miserable, right? Can <laughs> amen to that, I'm sure. Because we look at them, we say, you have wronged me so much, and there's anger and frustration. Like, we get to experience a touch of what God feels towards us. He looks and says, you've rebelled against me in these ways, you've done these things, but I love you and I'll forgive you. Let me get hung up on that. I'm sorry. Um, what, does this, what does this mean for us in Christmas? What does this mean for us? Um, as we prepare for this holiday, as we worship God through this Christmas season, as we celebrate his son, the prince of peace, the God of mercy, um, God's justice made like, like satisfied in this world, as we celebrate it, it needs to be at the forefront of who we are. It needs to be at the forefront of our minds. When we see folks who, like need protection, what do we do? When we see folks who need protection, what do we do? We protect them. When we see folks who need grace, what do we do? We give them grace. When we look at folks who need, like, God's justice, what do we do? We bring it. When we see folks who, who, you know, are in that spot, and actually when we look at ourselves and we recognize, what am I supposed to be? I'm supposed to be a follower of Christ because God had mercy on me even though I didn't deserve it. God satisfied his own justice through Jesus, through that little baby, through that little child that we're celebrating the birth of two millennia later that he changed the world through, and he changed it first by giving me forgiveness and giving Adam forgiveness and giving all of us. My challenge for you in the season is to, to live that. Live following Christ. Live giving grace. Live spreading justice. Live sharing what you have to make other people right. Um, to protect those who don't have. Live grace. Live mercy. Live justice. Become who God made you to be. Just like Christ, right? Um, because uh, this is the Second Sunday, have I got that? I don't know. First, is it the first Sunday of the month, we do communion on the first Sunday of the month, and so I'm going to call my guys forward. Sorry, we're running long. We haven't figured out children's sermon timing yet. Um, so I blame Renee. <laughs> um, 